Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. You know, folks, I have the best job in the world, and today's Song of the Soul guest is just further proof of that. I got to know about Anne Heaton only recently as a result of the fact that she has sometimes performed with another of my Song of the Soul favorites, Meg Hutchinson. Knowing who Meg is, I figured Anne would be someone deeply special, and a little research proved my intuition right. Anne Heaton has lived widely, pursuing a wide range of interests in Chicago, in Washington, D.C., New York, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and now in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She has all the classical piano cred you could want, but has also performed as part of a Harlem gospel choir, while her songwriting has been inspired by the likes of the Indigo Girls and Tori Amos. As you imagine, and will soon know, Anne brings all these wonderful ingredients together to serve up a delightful musical dish, the topping of which is her most recent album, To the Light. We've got an uncut version of this program at northernspiritradio.org with a few extra minutes of interview. Right now, we're headed to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, via the magic of Zoom, to visit with Anne Heaton. Anne, I'm delighted to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Mark, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I realize that in some ways this is still the tail end of the whole pandemic separation. You told me you moved to Milwaukee just several months before the pandemic hit, right? Yes. We moved here at the end of August 2019 so that our daughters could start school in September. So yeah, I was saying to you before we came on that anyone we met in those first few months, those were our only friends, (laughs) local friends for the pandemic. So I was glad that I walked the girls to school because those were the people I met. I also understand that during the pandemic, you decided to add to your documentation as an educator yourself. Actually, we're going UW-Madison, but since you could do things remote from Milwaukee, I guess that works out? Yeah, as one of the things about the way I grew up, the way I was educated as I, I went to a very competitive academic high school and a competitive college and there were benefits to that, but there was not a lot of emphasis on the arts, although there was some, but there was not a lot of emphasis on using someone's social emotional life as like learning ground. So for example, at my high school in Chicago, things would happen. Like, I don't know whether to to tell the story or not, but I'd like, I remember one example is when our mayor, Harold Washington died. He was a black mayor in Chicago and I went to a very diverse high school and there were some black students who were just sobbing in the hall. And then there were some white students like high-fiving each other and saying like, yay, you know, stuff like that, like where I thought opportunities that could have been used to have discussions, but the teacher sort of ignored that. And we really just focused on academics. So I remember my senior year in high school, I had an English teacher, Mr. McKenna, who would let us write stories 
about whatever we wanted. And I, so I wrote quote unquote fictional stories about things that were unfolding in my life as a teenager and at school. And I remember feeling that it was so helpful to process those experiences through writing. And I remember feeling like, wow, this is the only time I've really been like happy in class. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm happy in life, but this is like, I enjoy this activity. So now, this is long before I was a, a songwriter or knew that I'd be a singer-songwriter. Now, as an educator, I, I like to let creativity or songwriting or writing be an opportunity for students to bring their own experiences, write about whatever they want, and use their life like as a learning ground. And so for the last like 10 years, I've taught at Grammy camps and at Berklee College of Music and at Interlochen, and I've I've seen how teenagers just kind of naturally do that with the songwriting process. Wow, this is a really long answer to your question about going back to school. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is I've seen experientially how teenagers kind of naturally do this. They'll like they'll come to a camp or a class to like have fun, but they'll often choose to write about something like a challenge they had in their life or something they overcame without being prompted. They just make that choice. And in the past, when I've talked to teachers and educators, I haven't really been able to articulate to like non-teaching artists the value of it. And so I went to University of Wisconsin because there is a woman there who became my mentor named Erica Halverson. And she focuses on storytelling and theater as a learning tool and a way to allow kids to bring their whole selves to school. She seemed like she'd be a great mentor. So I went... Here's my long answer. I went to UW to do research on the social emotional learning benefits of songwriting with teenagers. And so before I could do that, I had to, of course, take a lot of classes, learn how to do qualitative research. Yeah. So I learned, I think what I learned there was not so much about songwriting or the arts, but what I learned was how to communicate better with educators and how to do research. I mean, hopefully I learned that because that's what that's what I did for my master's thesis. So, wow, that was a really long answer. I, I guess I had a lot of coffee. Okay. Well, and I also assume that you did this because you've got two daughters who are just approaching their teen years now. So I think you had to get ready to know how to deal with them, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there is any school for that, though. <laughs> I think it's a new thing for every person who approaches parenting. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about your music because, you know, I read on your bio sheet on your page that great books is what you were studying at one point in Notre Dame. And I got the idea that even though you've put out seven albums, that somehow your life wasn't directed to music originally. Were you a musician all along? And was this music a frivolous thing you did on the side or what? I asked my mom for piano lessons when I was about three. And she was so surprised that she was like, oh, okay, well, I'll get them for you. So I studied classical piano because that's what she knew to give me. So I was always doing that. And then like there'd be the occasional like school musical or something at my elementary school. And I liked singing like on my swing set and stuff. But the whole idea of being a songwriter, that was sort of something that developed slowly and was largely based on some of those things I was sharing earlier, like because I feel like playing classical music is, is very, you know, you're trying to like perfect something that someone else has made and there's like a standard for how to play it. Whereas writing a song is expressing something that either 
you maybe you're grappling with or you're working through or you want to celebrate or you want to express love. It's, there's some overlap, but it's very different. So I was in Notre Dame. They don't have a lot of music there. And when I graduated, I was going to either go do um, a program that was similar to Teach for America or I was going to, I don't know if it was my decision or somehow I applied to be a White House intern. And so I actually was working on healthcare reform when I first graduated from college when the internship ended, like all the interns interviewed for jobs. I remember I interviewed for a job. I was working in the old executive office building, which is next to the White House. And I interviewed for some like financial assistant job. And I remember feeling terrified that I was going to get it. Like I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what's going on? You know, so I think it's, is it St. John's Cathedral? There's a huge cathedral and I think it's Episcopalian Cathedral in D.C., of course, it's escaping me now, but I, I remember feeling super nervous I was going to get the job, and there was some part of me that wanted to explore songwriting and music, but I hadn't told anyone that. So I went and sat in that church like all day, and I said, okay, I'm not leaving this church until I have a feeling about whether I'm supposed to stay here in Washington and work in politics, or whether I'm going to try to go for it in music. And I was sat there for so long and I had no feeling either way. And then I got really mad and I was just like, fine, like kind of up to the sky, like don't give me an intuition. And I started to walk out. Then I had sort of a, a strong feeling that I could be brave and, and try to do the music path. I wasn't on that road initially. You've been there for enough years now and produced so much music that I think our Song of the Soul listeners want to hear an example at least. How can we start out? Maybe we could start out with joy. It's not a bad place to start. <laughs> Tell me about this song. Where's it come from? I wrote this song when my neighbor asked me to write a like a sing-along for the bus for these women in Ann Arbor who were going to the Women's March. But she only asked me like two days before they were leaving. So I was like, no, Susie, I can't. But then I just kept thinking about it. So this song is sort of rooted in when things seem terrible around you and there's polarization and you can't really find evidence of good to finding a way to connect to the goodness and inside of you and what gives you joy deep down because that's really the only place that you can kind of draw energy and motivation from that will lead to a positive action. And we all need a little bit more joy in our life. And fortunately, Ann Heaton is bringing it with her here today for Song of the Soul. Here's Joy. I've got nothing against you. I just want to be heard. Like every child, woman, and man in this big, beautiful world. I knew boys like you in high school. Thought if I ignored, you'd go away. What I fear grows, what I resist persists. I need joy to be my best. How do I look on you with joy in my heart? Look on you with joy in my heart. I get up before the sunrise, look at the stars in the night sky. I breathe in and out slowly. Let my fears rise about me. Smoke floating over the sea I find the joy in my heart early Open my eyes to the birds and trees I feel joy in my heart 
how you gonna see? Some say it's mercy, others give hugs for free, some try to get us to zero. Kids in New York from every land who don't know any different, they're laughing and holding hands while parents watch them. got the privilege of having Anne Heaton here today with us for Song of the Soul. Anne is with an E on the end there, Heaton. And I've got the link on nordenspiritradio.org to anneheaton.com. I've also got the link to her Facebook page, which is a good place to follow her exploits in the world. That song was Joy, and it's from To the Light, which was released in 2019. So again, Anne, that's right before the whole COVID shuts everything down time. You're talking about joy, and it's really nice also that you're talking about that in the context of the Women's March that happened in 2017, that Donald Trump was elected in November, starts in January, and then this happens. One of the things that struck me about this song and about your music in general it feels to me like you can do a vast variety of songs. This one almost has portions of rap in it, if you will. Certainly that kind of talking connection, as opposed to the very beautiful singing that you do throughout that song and others. So is there a kind of song, having been raised on classical music, is there a kind of music that is native to your soul, or is it just everything? Well, you know, I grew up listening to the songs that my parents listened to. So, and they were not super musically inclined. So some of that was like eight tracks of musicals or what was on the radio. And then as a teenager, what was on the radio for me was like the Rolling Stones and Fine Young Cannibals. It wasn't until college that I discovered the Indigo Girls and then Tori Amos. And I, I remember like just being like, oh, this is what music can be. It can like talk about these deep ideas. And so a light bulb went off for me there. And then later, I when I lived in New York, I moved to New York about a year and a half after college. And I was taking a few classes at City College. I was like in a Latin band and I was in like a jazz class because I felt like I had really only learned how to approach music from a classical play. I mean, I had sang in a rock band at Notre Dame, like a cover band, but I didn't really know. I wanted to find other ways to approach music. So while I was there, I met this man named John Motley, who is an amazing choir director, and he directed the... Um, I think it was called the Harlem City Choir, or I have to look up the exact name. And he invited me to come sing in a church in Harlem where I sang for a few years, Grace Church. And I remember when I heard that music, I felt like, oh, this is like, this is like the music that like really speaks to me on a deep level. And um, I don't know how all those, the music I appreciate affects the music that I make, because it's not super, very conscious process, but... I do remember thinking, 
why don't the Catholics, because I grew up Catholic, as you know, I'm like, why don't we have music that's this good? (laughs) (laughs) We don't have music that's this good. I mean, I know that's probably an overly simplified statement, but anyway. So why don't you give us some more music? I'm loving your spiritual journey and your musical journey. And where does it take us now? Well, what's coming to mind, because I just mentioned my friend John Motley and how he taught me so much music, the choir director I just mentioned, he's mentioned in this song. So why don't we play the celebration song? And just to get people ready for celebration song, coffee seems to be one of your most important religious rituals, I think. (laughs) Thank you for knowing that about me. Thank you. It is a religious ritual. Thank you. So we're going to get started with Ann Heaton's song, Celebration Song. Get your cups ready. She's starting off with it, too. Here goes. Feel the celebration going on. Celebration, celebration. Feel the celebration going on. Celebration, celebration. I don't reheat my coffee. I put a brand new pot on when I drop my child at preschool. I might have a sparkly dress on. If I wanna drive, if I wanna fly, who's gonna stop me? No one but me. And what if I don't? I feel the celebration going on, celebration, celebration. I feel the celebration going on, celebration, celebration. I feel the bottoms of my feet walking to a pulse on the street on a I felt Henry to this perfect moment All that had to go right and wrong for me to come here and own it How unlikely we'd meet Make up after fights that I'd take the 59th Street Bridge to you one night That you and I'd roll a Crown Vic on black ice I'd be hit by a drunk driver But somehow survive though I flew across the freeway I didn't have a scratch My spirit shifted up above my head And it was cause of that that later I knew When I walked through hard times I had a spirit to turn to Can you feel it? Can you feel it rising up? How my grandpa showed me the ballads of Ireland My friend Motley, the music of Harlem How I always preferred, though I didn't know it then The music of the oppressed over those oppressing them How my mom got me all those piano lessons Damn, thank you Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Rising I could make my music shared in my own voice How I had to meet the wrong man to make a better choice How it all had to burn down so I could rebuild my life And have these two daughters Who like ice cream and watermelon best They like red wagon rides and their new blue dresses They feel it rising up And maybe humanity won't survive But I'm gonna make the most of my time Like Paul McCartney said Maybe you've been waiting your whole life for this moment to arise. Like Thich Nhat Hanh lived peace in Vietnam. He kept rebuilding and rebuilding. He helped Martin Luther King over here as they kept marching and marching. 
there's some amazing journey of spirituality that Ann Heaton did in her song, Celebration Song, that she shares with us. I'm quite amazed, Ann, when you talk about knowing about spirit because you're in an accident you survive from or that kind of thing. Feed it for our listeners some of the background that you talk about in that song. I was really taken by the idea that every single thing we've been through leads to the moment we're currently in. And so when you're having a, an amazing, beautiful, joyful, loving moment, I can realize that even the, the terrible, all the terrible things that have happened or the sorrow is also part of led me to, to this, like this conversation with you, which is a lovely conversation. So I think I, in this song, I was just sort of tracing that, tracing that journey for myself. My daughter had had, at the time she was about four and I heard her singing, I feel celebration going on in our living room one day after we moved on a cold wintry gray day. And I was like, how does she feel this celebration going on that I don't feel? And so the song was really a challenge to myself. Like, could I connect to a, a feeling of joy and celebration even when external factors were not what I wanted them to be? Well, you mentioned, for instance, rolling a crown Vic, get hit by a drunk driver, and you survive just fine without a scratch. I mean, it's like, wow. And my wife and I just were involved in an accident a week ago or so. You know, the motorcycle that was trying to pass us as we were turning left oh, exploded no. her window in, and it's it was shocking and all that, but no one was really badly injured at all. I mean, people are scraped on the motorcycle. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, none of us were going that fast, but... I do feel like when my wife dealt with cancer six years ago, it was a great time to go deep and to find joy in every moment. Oh, yeah. I feel like simplicity works that way in a, a ways. That I think meditation works that way. When you quiet down, you can actually stop and smell the flower, so to speak, because you slow down. But when you're running at breakneck pace, trying to check 20 things off a to-do list, you don't really have a chance to experience the joy and awe. So I think your daughter was exactly right. The celebration going on. <laughs> Yeah, she she was. And yeah, I thank you for that reminder. It's like the, the limitations of certain situations, like you mentioned cancer, you kind of force you to, you can't go, go, go. And in this particular case with the, the car accident and rolling the Crown Vic, what was interesting to me about that is like, I, I've always been raised to think that I have a spirit and I connect to part of myself that is perhaps will go on forever or, you know, is not material, if you will. But after that accident, I, I literally felt for weeks like I was above my head. Like it felt like my presence was hanging out over the top of my head and it didn't come back down for, for a while. And so I had never had such a visceral experience of what I felt like was my spirit kind of hanging out outside my body like I'm not sure it's so safe to be in there so I'm just gonna hang out up here for a little while before I come back down yeah I don't know if other people have had that experience but that's what it felt like to me Folks, we are speaking with Ann Heaton today. Her website is annheaton.com. I'll spell it for you once, but you can just go via northernspiritradio.org, words that you will spell correctly automatically. 
Anne is A-N-N-E. Heaton is H-E-A-T-O-N. I have a link both to her website and to her Facebook page on NordenSpiritRadio.org, along with links to all of my guests for the past 19 years. I've been doing Song of the Soul and Spirit in Action programs. Come and find out more about them, the song selection. There's so much information to find. And you can also find on our website all of the 35 to 45 stations across the nation that carry our programs. And if we're not carried in your town, tell them that they should be carrying Northern Spirit Radio programs there. Also on our site, we love it when you post comments, connect us up. Your suggestions are valuable to us. And you can also donate. That's how this full-time work is supported. It's by your donations, not those of corporations and not government, which means that we're free to follow your needs and to answer your questions rather than be driven by the desires of a corporation or or other forces. Please support that at NordenSpiritRadio.org and support the local community radio stations that you have. We've got a couple great ones in Milwaukee area where Ann Heaton is currently located for the last three to four years. Please support those community radio stations because they do give you the alternative that commercial radio stations will not give you. We just listened to a celebration song, and we're going to go on to another song right away because people are going to get tired of my voice. They want to hear more of yours. What do we got now, Anne? How about Last Drive? What's the background for this one? Real quick, when my grandfather Joe was nearing the end of his life, he had cancer. My brother and I and my cousin Tim, we stayed with him sometimes to care for him a little bit. One time toward the end of his life, I wasn't there, but my brother Connor was, and he told me later that my grandpa Joe had asked him to take him on a last drive around his town, and that on that drive he pointed out things like, here's what happened here, and and so I, I knew that story, and I think for years it kept coming up like to write about it, but I just didn't want to for some reason. I just I kept avoiding it, and then I went to a a movie about Bach piano music and that there's no speaking in the movie. It's just piano music. And I think it did something to my brain when I walked out of that movie. It was in Boston. I just was like, I have to write that song. So I started to write it intending to make it not about my grandpa, like more universe. Oh, I can't make it about my grandpa. I got to make it about like somebody else. Like, but in the end, after I wrote it, I was like, it's about my grandpa. It's okay. <laughs> Well, hop in the car, folks. We're going for the last drive, actually for Ann Heaton's grandfather, but it's from her album, Honeycomb. Last drive. I flew planes in World War II Over the ocean we made loops I saw my mother's face in the sky Thank you. 
confused now that Ann Heaton has told us that it's really Bach's music that kicked off this last song, although it's really about her grandfather. Were you close to your grandfather? Were they in your neighborhood or how often did you get to see them? They were not in our neighborhood. I would say we were close in the sense that we got along really well. And my grandpa Joe was very open-minded I know we've talked a lot about like the religious traditions we come, we've come from, and he was he was very Catholic, but he was very open minded. Like he'd always say, "Yeah, you're right. Like women should be able to be priests." Like he was just super, and so it was great to have a man in my life that was much older than me, but very kind and open. Well, we were talking about religious stuff. You're raised Catholic, as was I. So we both have that experience. Because you're a couple decades younger than me, you had a different experience of what's happening in the world then. I assume you were confirmed. What was your confirmation name? <laughs> wow, no one's, at, no one's ever <laughs> asked me that. Let's see if I can remember. Um, Elizabeth. My name was Peter. Mark Allen Peter Judkins was me. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so you were Elizabeth. At some point, you found that Catholicism was not the spiritual path that was mainly calling you. When was that? About what age? Well, it wasn't really at some point. It was sort of all along. It was like, even from being very young, there were certain aspects of it that I really resonated with. And it was usually through like friends of my parents who were involved in like some social justice work, or they were like working at a soup kitchen, or like I worked in Ecuador when I was a teenager with like families. And there was something that really resonated with me about being there for people in their times of need. And then but at the same time, like, I just remember, <laughs> I hope, I don't know if this is okay to say, but I, I just remember this certain priest, like, coming to our classroom, even when I was, like, in second grade, and just feeling like, I don't have a good feeling about that guy, and like, I don't know why we're listening to him. Just that, like, sense you have as a kid, and, you know, I feel like there were so many wonderful lessons, and then there were also, you know, just the fact that there's one person speaking on Sunday every week, one man, and we're not hearing from anybody else. And I know that's changing. But yeah, so I, I needed to find something that let me have a little bit more freedom and that I felt like respected me as a female. And so I meditate. It's not like meditation respects me as a female, but it's just a place where I can connect to my own inner wisdom. Although I did, I have found a church here in, in Milwaukee, uh, St. Benedict the Moor, that is very open. And we sometimes go there because it doesn't make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice. You know, for me, right after high school, I started checking out what are options out there. I didn't even have any experience. So I checked it out because I had a friend who was Quaker. I ended up learning about Quakers and feeling like, okay, this has got enough space for me. And they're into all these values and living them out, actually changing the world in a good way. So that was all good for me. But at a certain point, when I didn't have a car, I had a roommate who was attending a Unitarian church and Unitarians have similarly wide theology and they have similarly wide values about healing, peace, and justice, all those kind of things. So it was good that way. And they had a great preacher there. But two months into it, it just hit me. It's like, he's a really good preacher, the guy who's in front. 
they did include other people from the congregation, but it's still, you're putting someone in front. And I said, no, I got to go to sit in the circle of Quaker worship where I am an equal partner. I have my responsibility. I should neither give my responsibility nor the power away to a person in front, no matter how good they are. And so that's when I made the transition, never looked back since then. But it's not for lack of beauty and wonderfulness everywhere else. It's just that this was the place where I felt like I would rise to my best and I would be my best along with other people being their best. Oh, I love that. Yeah, the few times I've been in a mass like last year where they do the reading and then instead of like giving a homily, priest just said like, what do people think? that means. And everyone's raising their hand in the next like 20 minutes. Everybody's sharing their ideas. And I just love that. And that reminds me of what you were just describing. Well, let's have some more beauty from Anne Heaton. What do you got to share? How about the St. Francis prayer? I, I, I set this prayer, I thought of it more as like a love song. When I was living in Somerville, Massachusetts, my ex-husband's father passed away. And this prayer was on the, the mass card or the funeral card. A few weeks later, somehow I pulled a book off my shelf and another copy of that prayer fell out. It was like all these weird coincidences around that prayer showing up. So I just thought it might be fun, you know, since I write so many of my own lyrics to set the words of someone else. And this has a fair amount of the church feeling about it. It's got something that connects to the music of our childhood in the Catholic Church as well. Do you keep any of that? Do you carry that within you, the Catholic Church that you've gone to now? Do they have some of that music too? Yeah, I mean, they. I think now these days, I don't know what their official stance, but it seems like the music that they bring is from more traditions, whereas I think it used to be less diverse. But I actually don't know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) Were you a particular fan of Francis of Assisi growing up? Did you know about him? I knew about him, yeah. I was more a fan of St. Ignatius, but I knew knew about St. Francis, yeah. Well, let's go to The Prayer of St. Francis by Anne Heaton. It's from her album, Honeycomb.
I think many of you recognize those words from the prayer of St. Francis, the song by Ann Heaton in this case. I'm sure a lot of people have put his words to songs in a great variety. That one certainly touches the soul of those words as well. Thank you so much, Ann. Again, we're speaking with Ann Heaton, website annheaton.com, the links on northernspiritradio.org. I'm going to rush us right into another song, make sure we get everything in. So this next song is Rise. I co-wrote it with Shannon McNally and Beth Wood for Sixthman Cruise. As a songwriter cruise, uh, people like Lucinda Williams and Patty Griffin play, and we were going to play on this cruise. And a couple months ahead of time, they invite you to come to like a songwriting kind of workshop where you co-write with other artists who are playing on the cruise. Anyway, they forgot to book the hotel for the event. But because they're a cruise company, they had rooms on the Weezer cruise. So they put us on the Weezer cruise to write songs <laughs> together. So we wrote this song after many conversations about touring and America and the, our history here. So get ready to rise up, folks. This is Rise by Ann Heaton. Only wilderness within our 
song and heaton says something about i can't remember it's a memorable song and so rise is the song and you wrote that you said with shannon mcnally and beth wood do you co-write with other folks very often or is everything you know 100 percent and heaton I don't very often, but I love it when I do. So I wrote this song called The Donut Song with my husband, Frank Murata, who's a vocalist and guitar player. I wrote a song this last year with a group called Live from New York with Edie Carey, Andrew Kerr, Teddy Goldstein. We wrote a song about being parents (laughs) because we're all parents now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great common experience to have. Do you ever write things with Anne Hutchinson, Talia Zuckerman? Are, you perform with them, haven't you? Yes, as Winter Bloom with Meg and Natalia and Ancha. We wrote one song together. We always meant to write more, but it's like we're very rarely in the same place at the same time. But I just feel like that song was just such a favorite because it's like you like combine everybody's kind of bringing their ingredients to the table. Yeah, the older I get, the more I want everything to be a collaboration just because I'm so much more invested in the journey and the process and having fun in the process. So and like as a as a 20 year old writer, I was like, I got to like process my feelings and like, but I'm older now. And I just feel like I just want to know what other people have to say and what their stories are and that kind of thing. 
I've always felt that traumatic incidents in our life were good fuel for, I mean, they push the emotion so much that they push out songs out of us. They push out poetry, they push out expressions in the world, depending how people manifest themselves. But for me, definitely the songs that came out of my transitions in distress, they've made such important statements of who I am, as well as some of the positive times. But Generally, you know, it's like when I go from being in a pit to climbing up to the light, wow, that's when it's really lively. Yeah, you can't resist what wants to come forth. Yeah, I felt like the last couple of years, sometimes a song will come after sitting in meditation. Like it just sort of arrives and I run to the piano and like play it. And that's such a different experience than being like, I think I'm going to write a song about blank topic. And then, (laughs) yeah, it's very different. And again, I want to just say the style of music that I hear from you is so different sometimes. It, it feels to me like you're a different person when you sing. A couple times in the voices, it's like, wait, is that Anne Heaton who's singing that song? It's like you're channeling a completely different you or a different aspect of you that I didn't even know. Usually I recognize a person's song, but there are a couple of them. It's like, wow. That's different. (laughs) Where'd that come from? Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) I think you're channeling such a different experience that you assume that different person. I think you have a great creative ability that way. Thank you. Time for one last song before we finish your song of the soul. Where do we finish off, Anne? This last song is called Hymn of Hope. It was partially inspired by Anne Lamott's book, Almost Everything, Notes on Hope. And it was also inspired by, I was writing songs for oncology nurses as part of a project called Songs for the Soul, which is funny because it's very similar (laughs) to the name of your radio show, which was a research project where songwriters met with oncology nurses and they wrote songs for them based on the stories of the oncology nurses. So one of the nurses I talked to said that her work was so emotionally challenging sometimes that she would just decide to bring hope to work. Like she would decide on her car ride in that even though it seemed like in many instances there was no reason to hope, she was just going to decide to hope anyway. I was really struck by that idea. So this is what I wrote for her. Some people struggle to find hope. Some people spontaneously have it. And Heaton has said it is her conscious journey to bring hope, to live hope. It's a wonderful choice to make. And I'm so thankful for the gift of your music, Anne, that we got connected. Meg Hutchinson had something to do with it because seeing your name again, I had made an invitation to you back on your birthday to join me on this program. That's right. The fact that you commune with someone as deep as Meg Hutchinson made me just impatient to connect with you more. <laughs> so, She's my spirit, buddy. <laughs> She's amazing. And folks, we're ending with the last song by Anne Heaton. It's Hymn of Hope, her website, anneheaton.com, links on northernspiritradio.org. Thank you so much for joining me, Anne. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been really a pleasure to be with you. Here we go into hope with Anne Heaton, Hymn of Hope. See you next week for Song of the Soul. I carry hope in my heart, even when I don't feel. Decide, I decide to make a home in my heart, even as the darkness sets. I 
The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.